0: what a great weekend, huh? I mean, it doesn't get any better than this, does it? Um, uh, if you have never been to a Renaissance Church Super Bowl party, <clears throat> then you've never been to a Super Bowl party, period. That's just how it works. And uh, we're going to kick it off today, or I should say you're going to kick it off today at 6 o'clock. <laughs> I wondered if that was ever going to happen. Uh, <clears throat> somebody had too much time on their hands, didn't they? Um, it's going to be a great party. Six o'clock. Um, I won't be here, um, just in case you're wondering. I'll be at MetLife. And, um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I'm very grateful for that. I'm thankful for the, uh, the generosity of, of uh, some folks who make that, making that possible. But uh, we're gonna, I'm going to be doing some live cut-ins, when, not over commercials and not over the game, just so you know. And just to kind of say, hey, we're here and you give you some live updates from MetLife uh, on, my, uh, on my iPhone. But uh, it's a great party here. Starts at 6 o'clock. And it'll be a lot. Oh, man, they got barbecue. They got chili. They got, they got vegetarian chili for you people who, don't like, who like that. And uh, <laughs> caught myself, didn't I? Um, <clears throat> anyway, it's going to be great. And she be, be be here about 6, though, because at 6.14, no kidding, at 6.14, you're going to see one of Renaissance's own, not me, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, um, one, of our, one of our young folks. Uh, I'm not going to tell you who. You've got to find out. Come and, and watch. And, and what you're going to do is you're going to watch, it's the pregame show when they're singing, uh, Queen Latifah is singing, among other things, America the Beautiful and with the uh, New, Jersey, uh, New Jersey Choir, and you're going to see one of ours right there. She's going to be just to the right, is that right, of Queen Latifah. Did I say that right? Clay, just to the right of Queen Latifah. All right, you'll see her. Okay, it's not going to be Clay either. Thank God. But anyway, anyway, it's going to be fun. Be here. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, I will uh, be here in spirit and a little bit on the screen. So there you go. The fight. We've talked about the fight for time, the fight for control, the fight for the mind, um, the fight today, the fight for yourself. And um, this is this is gonna we're gonna wrap this thing up. This is a this is a tough one. It's a tough fight. They all they all are, but it's only fitting. Football weekend, Super Bowl weekend. I start off the message with a, a football story. Okay, it wasn't the Super Bowl. It was my junior year in high school. Worked really hard. If you've ever played football in high school or college? <clears throat> you'll know what two-a-days are. That's where in throughout August mid-August to the end of August, at least in Ohio, uh, you do two-a-days. You get up and you're on, you're on the field like at 8 or 7.30 in the morning, I think it was, for two or three hours and you go home and you go back around four o'clock for another two or three hours. It's just exhausting, even for a, even for a high school uh, kid. Worked really hard, earned a starting position as my junior year at left side linebacker. And, um, we go to our first game early September. We're playing Versailles. Versailles is a really always really good. Now, you may know it's Versailles, Ohio. You may spell the same way as Versailles, but in Ohio, it's Versailles, okay? So deal with it. Um, I would only learn two years later that there was another pronunciation besides Versailles, but that's another story. Um, we go out in the field. We, we, uh, they get the ball. We're, 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 we're pumped up. Uh, us guys on defense, we're, out. we're ready to go. We get out there, and we know they're tough. They were, they were like some sort of champion the year before, so we know they're going to be tough. We get out there on the defense, and we're like, you know, and uh, sure enough, I, I think they did one series of downs. We didn't stop them. They got a first down. The next series of downs, somewhere around the, uh, their own 30 or 40, they broke somebody loose. Not a passing play, just a running play. Right through our defense, right through the defensive line, right through the backers, right through the cornerbacks, boom. Somewhere in the neighborhood of 60- or 70-yard run. And we're like, oh, man, how did we go over the side? Like, How'd that happen? How'd that happen? Oh, you know, okay, pull it together, guys, pull it together. And um, so we, we, our, de- our offense does nothing. They, they, they run it three and out and punt the ball. And uh, defense comes back on. We're all, okay, come on, guys. we're jacked up now. We're not going to let them do this again. I think we we didn't stop them. They got a first down. I think it was a second series of downs. Still around 60, 70 yards, somewhere in that vicinity. Boom! They break the guy again. Long run. No pass. Boom! We're all men. We go off the sideline. Okay, what's going on? Where's he coming? Where's he coming? come, Come on! Come on, guys! We can do better than this. Come on! Our offense does nothing. We go back out. Third time. Third series of downs. Around 50 yards. Boom! Again. 50, 60 yards, touchdown, running, all running. We go over there. I like, what, what's going on here? Bunch of, what 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 you need? Is he coming over you guys? Where is he? What side of the line? Is he? Just 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 chewing each other out and mad and blaming everybody else. We lost that game. That's, I'm done with that game. I mean, we're down 21-0 in the middle of the first quarter. It's not, not even halfway through the first quarter. So fast forward two days later, and we did an illegal thing at that time. Uh, you're not supposed to get with your coach over the weekend. We, every, every Sunday afternoon after, after church, we would uh, get with the coach and go to his house and watch the game film. They had, they had to have a day to develop it. I know that's a foreign concept to most of you, but, <laughs> but that's how it was. And um, we would go sit in his living room and watch the game, or watch the film of the game. Watching the film, the first part of that game, Every one of those touchdowns, I looked and I saw number 66 laying on his can. And the guy coming right over the top of him. I'm number 66. That was the worst feeling, I think, one of the worst feelings I've ever had in my life. He came over me every time I'm laying there. Some guy just knocks me on my tail. And, um, you know, the whole thing is I knew something was wrong. I didn't know it was me. It's kind of in a, in a different kind of way, a much more serious kind of way, although that was pretty serious to me at the time. That's what's going on when we look at, at, at the Apostle Paul today. Now keep in mind who the Apostle Paul is. Just let r- me refresh your memory if you didn't know. He, he wrote almost half the New Testament. He was an incredibly intelligent guy. He went to what we would consider today uh, uh, basically one of, the, one of the top Ivy League schools. Uh, he, he was under Gamaliel School, which was, that, that was as good as it gets. I'm not going to try, try to make a guess as to which one of the Ivy League schools is the top. I'm brainwashed because I'm told by two people that I know very well that it's Princeton and nobody else is even close to second, but I think, I'm being, I think that's some partiality being spent my way. But um, he went to a great school, okay, a great school. He is brilliant. He is, in every stretch of the imagination, a person of God, a man of God. And I want to take you in and just show you this little autobiographical glimpse of his own fight with himself. Because, I mean, this is, I just want you to see his angst. I mean, he had no salvific power over anything in terms of his life here. And um, watch carefully because I'm going to use certain verses here. Uh, And I'm I'm going to go into, it's Romans chapter 7, if you happen to know that passage. Um, And I'm going to just pick out certain verses and parts of certain verses, not because I'm trying to change anything, just because I just want you to see one particular thing. He had incredible, incredible frustration with himself and this fight that he's trying to win with himself. So let's just jump into it here. Romans chapter 7, for I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I don't understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Can you relate to that? Why well, can't. I can't believe I did that. can't believe I said that. And notice, he thinks it's just as bad when he fails to do something good, just as bad as when he he does something bad. Keep reading here, verse 21. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. I can't tell you how many times I've uttered that to myself. Who will rescue me from this body of death that is subject to death? Another Bible The message paraphrase puts it this way, I've tried everything, nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? Are you getting this angst, this misery, this brokenness? The Apostle Paul is saying, I'm cursed. I'm broken. I'm really messed up. Now, we notice a change, a total change in tone. Watch what happens next. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Christ Jesus our Lord so that I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Now we're getting a little glimpse of hope. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Christ Jesus. So we see I'm cursed, I'm broken, I'm messed up. Then we see... But I'm delivered through Christ. By the way, again, I want, to go back to, I want to go back to the message paraphrase and just read that same verse to you um, in, in the message paraphrase. It goes like this. The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but I'm pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. I'm delivered. My only hope is in Jesus It's not in having self-discipline. I cannot have enough self-discipline. Even if you're a self-disciplined person. My only hope is Christ. Great phrase back in the War of 1812 by uh, Commander Oliver Hazard Perry. Remember that? He said, we we have met the enemy and they are ours. Many years later, 1972 actually, a guy a humorist by the name of Walt Kelly who wrote one of the most brilliant comic strips ever. It's no longer... Uh, I think it's be, being reprinted, but he, he died. Um, he died several years ago. But in, in 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 the in the comic strip Pogo, love that, love that. Had so many lessons. Of, and Pogo said, "This we have met the enemy, and he is us." I like that. I understand that. I felt that. It's exactly what the Apostle Paul was saying. Not quite as grammatically. <laughs> incorrect as that but listen the fight for myself can only be won by trusting Christ the fight for myself can only be won by trusting Christ and that's what he's saying here thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord now watch what happens because after he says all this sometimes a little side note um, Chapters and verses weren't added to the Bible till the 10th century. And sometimes I get very frustrated. And I often, I'm, I'm a little crazy, I realize, I often talk to the text. Uh, who, or sometimes whoever, I'll be reading stuff, i say, why are you saying that? Or many times I'll, I'll be, because, because of my understanding of, you know, courses that I've had in college and so forth, I'll say oftentimes, why did you put a chapter there? And this is one of those times when I would say that because this, the chapter 8 shouldn't start. They, they, they should just keep on going. So anyway, just a, you, you look at chapter 8, verse 1, and you see the first word, therefore. And I shall never forget that um, my professor of biblical hermeneutics used to always say, whenever you see a therefore, you stop and you see what it's there for. And uh, there's a good example of that right here. <laughs> Some things stick with you, you know? Just, that's been I don't know how many years ago. Therefore. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. This is amazing. Now he's saying, I'm, I'm, I'm lost, I'm broken, I'm cursed, I'm, I'm, I'm messed up. Deliverance comes through Christ. And now he's saying, now there's no condemnation for those who have come to faith in Christ. Then we come to verse 3, and it just really gives you. I, I want to just spend a little time on verses 3 and 4. I want to read through it first, and I want to come back and, 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 and just kind of dig a little deeper on some of these verses. Look in verse 3. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Verse 3. I want to go back to verse 3. For what the law was powerless to do. What does that mean? The term law there, just just kind of substitute the term Ten Commandments. The law is referring to the law of Moses. The law of Moses contains actually 613 commandments. I haven't counted them. I've read that. And, And of those 613 commandments, we have a Decalogue. It's ten, and we call it the Ten Commandments, moral commandments. You know, don't, you know, and you know, don't lie, don't cheat, don't, don't kill, don't mess around, you know, all that kind of stuff that's in there in those Ten Commandments. So what he's saying is what the law, and for our purposes, we'll just say what the Ten Commandments, just to better understand this. What the Ten Commandments was powerless to do. What was it powerless to do? It's giving us a standard, just ten, just ten commands. We'll have to worry about the 613 That includes dietary and all kinds of other stuff. Just 10 commands. He says, this is righteousness. That's all you got to do. And he says, but the law was powerless. Why was it powerless? Because I can't keep the 10 commandments. Because Jesus comes along and he says, it's not just doing or not doing. It's in your heart. You remember that? In in, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is talking. He says, you have heard that you should not murder. He said, I tell you, to have hate in your heart is the same thing. And he goes into several other things. You've heard not to commit adultery. I tell you, if you have lust, it's just... He goes to... So here's the point, folks. Every single person here, and I'm bleeding the charge on this one, every one of us have taken the Ten Commandments and blown them to smithereens. Every one of them. Every one of us. You say, well, I've never murdered anybody. You ever hated anybody? Yeah, you have. You liar. Now you already committing another one because you're lying about it. <laughs> Um, I have. I have blown every one of those to smithereens on different occasions, at least in my heart, if not otherwise. Now, just for the record, Jesus says one is just as bad as the other. Jesus said, if if you violate that in your heart, it's just as bad as doing it. Now, let me just add you a a word of caution. There is a difference in terms of consequences. I can have hate for you, and that's one thing. But if I kill you, I'm probably going to go to jail, okay? So, the consequences are different. But in in reality, in terms of that individual, I may not go to jail for hating somebody, but I'm going to be in a prison of my own. And can be just as miserable. I've never been to jail, but you can be just as miserable, I'm sure. So what he's saying here is what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by by me, by, by broken little old cursed me and you. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. In the likeness of sinful flesh, he wasn't sinful flesh. In the likeness of sinful flesh, because Jesus was 100% God, but also 100% man. So what he's saying, the law only showed you what was right. You couldn't keep it until Jesus came. And then, and he puts it so wonderfully, I think, until the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering, so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law, again, that's the standard of righteousness that, for instance, the Ten Commandments lays down for us, both in spirit and in, 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 in body, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, capital S or capital H, the Holy Spirit. Every, every one of us that have come to faith in Christ, we cross that line, and we say, I'm tr- I, want it. I, I believe, Lord, I believe in you, Jesus. I believe you came and you lived and you suffered and you died and you rose again and you did that for me. The moment we put our faith, our trust, and, and Clay talked about this a lot last week, the control issue. And I, and I appreciate that so much. Um, the, the whole thing, when, when, when we cross over and give that control, give our trust to Christ, immediately something happens. It's called the, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. Every one of us. It doesn't come later, right at that moment. The moment we trust Jesus. And you, may, you may remember that moment for yourself, the day that time that you trusted Christ. For some, and some of you are like that. Some of you are like me, where I don't remember exactly the day and the time. I just know that it was in this period of time. The important thing is not either one of those things. The important thing is just to know, am I trusting in Christ now? That's the most important thing. I've talked to so many people over the years, they get so frustrated. I can't remember. I said, you know, it doesn't matter. Where are you right now? That's what matters. So then he goes on in verse 4. Yeah, in, in, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Let me show you one last thing. I, I want to take you again to the message paraphrase, and I want to just read through that verses 3 and 4 in the message paraphrase. It's a little longer than what the NIV is, but I think it really puts it, uh, makes it clear for us, beginning in verse 3. God went for the juggler when he sent his own son. He didn't deal with the problem of something remote and unimportant. In his son Jesus, he personally took on the human condition, entered the disordered mess of struggling humanity in order to set it right once and for all. The law code, weakened as it already already was by fractured human nature, could never have done that. The law always ended up being used as a band-aid on sin instead of a deep, healing of it and now what the law code asked but we couldn't deliver is accomplished as we instead of redoubling our own efforts simply embrace what the spirit is doing in us i love that the way he says instead of trying to redouble our own efforts so many times i talked to people, i just got to try harder i just got to try harder i'm sorry i shouldn't have done this rich i got to try harder. no you can't try harder because you're going to fail again how do you know that because i've failed too i'm an expert at it You're going to trust Jesus more. And and that's the issue here. The fight for myself, the fight for myself can only be won by trusting in Christ. That's that's our only hope. And that's why Jesus came. Keep reading briefly in verse 5 those who live according to the flesh have their, watch this now, this is really good, have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set. On what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. See how many times mind is used there? It comes back down to the mind. In the second week of this series, Clay um, talked about the battle for the mind. I mean, it's so important. Folks, listen, that, that's why you hear from up here all the time. Us talking about you need to read your Bible, you need to read other things, you need to pray. Uh, you, you know, the U version, uh, the U version is great. It, I have two or three devotionals on there. It's, it's an app you can get, it's the U version. And um, we've talked about it a lot. And, and I just I, I didn't do my readings in the last week because of uh, different reasons. And I got an email today, Reverend Tears. <laughs> you didn't do your readings this week. I'm like, this is too freaking invasive for me. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but it's great. I mean, it, it, it helps you re- remember some of those things. Who are these guys tell me I didn't do my readings anyway? You know, it was some, some college student probably in some front of some web. No, I'm kidding. Um, <clears throat> but it's great. That's why it's the battle for the mind. That's why so many times when, you, when I talk to folks who so are dealing with different issues, I, I, I say, what, what, do you, what are you feeding your mind with? What are you watching? What are you reading? Who are you listening to? It's always important. And that's what he's saying here. The mind, the mind, the mind. The mind, you know, set on the flesh. The mind set on the spirit. Verse 9, I just want to see, I want you to see verse 9, and we'll stop with this one. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but you are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. Ooh. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they don't belong to Christ. So he's talking about the Holy Spirit lives in those of us who are believers, followers of Christ, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ. I just talked about it a moment ago. We talk about it a lot, this, this whole thing of, of what it means to, to trust in Christ. And, 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 you know, and we talk about it, and I was thinking about this week, talking to somebody about it, actually. In, in some ways, it's kind of a hard concept to truly grasp intellectually, to stop and think, our default mode is, is, is me, me, I can do this, I can do this, I can pull myself up, I can, you know, whatever it happens to be. But, but what we, we have to stop and realize, if we're going to win the battle with self, we have to trust Christ. And not only, and not only that, as, we, as, as, as was talked about last week, as I mentioned, there's another word that I'm going to use that I think might help. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's either a dirty word in, in some people's mind, or a new word for some of you. The word is called submit. We don't like the, I don't like the word either. Um, i what submit means. To accept or yield to a superior force or to the authority or will of another person. I learned to submit when I was in the military. And it was tough. Because all I could think of, this guy's IQ is about a half of what mine is, and I've got to submit to him. You know, I, I was a little arrogant, I realized, but God's still working with old Rich on that one, okay? So, um, but I had to. I had to submit. <laughs> it, it took a few beatings to figure that out, but I learned it. You know, after about the third time, I got the tar beat out of me. I was like, okay, I, I know how to say yes, sir, and no, sir, um, in a much greater way in a much deeper way. When we talk about submitting to Christ, to yield to a... We all know He's a superior force. To put myself under Him. So I'm going to yield to You, Lord. I have to do that daily. I, I sometimes have to do that every hour, on the hour, because it's so... That default mode kicks in. I can, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. But the thing, the thing that we're seeing here is that, 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 that the... the <laughs> The fight for self, the fight for self, as tough as it, as, as it is, can only be won. When we are trusting and yielding to Christ, or yielded to Christ. Let me ask you a couple of questions about that. Do you have that internal fight going on with you? Do you, do you see that? Because if there's not a fight going on, something's wrong. Talked to a guy one time, and he'd had... A, problem and I don't really want to say what it is but we had talked about it many times he came into my office one day and literally in tears and he wasn't that kind of guy um, I failed again Rich I, I mean, you just, just, just you know regurgitated his angst to me and how bad he felt and how much he failed and, and I knew he needed encouragement and you know, I said to him this I said you know what's encouraging to me? and he said no please tell me something encouraging I said that there's a fight going on because if there wasn't a fight, I'd really be worried about you. You can win this if you trust and yield to Christ. Or at least you can have more wins than losses. You're not always going to win. Let's be honest. We still have this. That's, that's the tough part about this. The sinful nature doesn't go away. I wish it did. Some people believe that. Some theology takes that in. I like to buy that theology, but it's wrong. Um, the sinful flesh is still there. It's just when we yield, when we, when we trust and submit to Christ the fight there'll be more wins than losses and that's what he's talking about here let me tell you a story before i do i'm gonna get the guys to come back out uh, the band to come out because they um they're gonna do a song it's sort of like a prayer it's just gonna i think it's just gonna help us really grab and understand this truth but as they're coming out, let me tell you this story, it's a true story, I learned, it, I learned it this week actually, I was talking to somebody, I learned about this and once I heard a little bit of it, I, um, I, I got a little further into it and I started, you know, networking to figure out what I could tell, what I couldn't tell, was it true, and it's true and all that. This happened in the 80s, guy here in this local area, he does not, he does not come to Renaissance yet, you know, there are two kinds of people in the world the way I look at it, those who come to Renaissance and those who haven't come to Renaissance yet, that's, 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 that's my view. And um, he was, uh, apparently in the 80s, you could uh, do a lot of things uh, in the world of finance. Um, uh, Wish I'd been here in the 80s. Maybe I'd be, well, maybe I'd be wealthy. Maybe I'd be in jail. I'm not sure which. But anyway, um, this guy and his buddies uh, had some kind of a fun going, and they uh, they embezzled clients' money. I'm not in finance, but I hear you're not supposed to do that, okay? And uh, it's basically stealing, obviously. So he and his, they had embezzled some funds and he and his buddies put together, a, they, those guys that were, were having to go to court, put together, you know, the, the dream team of lawyers, however many that was, I don't know. And they went to court, they got, the, they got everything thrown out. They're great, everything's good. Well, then they got charged again. And they put their legal team together again. They were ready to go, go to court and probably win that battle too. But something happened to this one particular guy who lives nearby here. Uh, that, that He'd been going to church all of his life. But at that point, it had just been an intellectual exercise to him. And somewhere in that waiting period, he truly came to faith in Christ, trusting and yielding to Jesus. And he knew, he started reading the Old Testament, and in the Old Testament, there's, there's three things. It says when you steal, there's three things. You should, you, should either, you should either double the amount stolen in terms of restitution, or you should four times the amount stolen in terms of restitution, or seven times the amount so he got with a, a pastor, I think, and uh, from what I hear, and they started reading the Old Testament together, and they determined that in his particular case, he should give back four times what he stole. He went to the judge without his lawyer, which I hear is not good news, and he just, he confessed. He said, I'm guilty, and not only am I guilty, I want to pay four times back what I've stolen. And I am, as I listened to the story this week, it took great personal sacrifice over a long period of time for him to do that but he did that isn't that amazing that's what can happen when a person begins to trust and yield to christ the fight for you can only be won by trusting and submitting to jesus as he brings in that new nature from the holy spirit and that's what we need to hear about